Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Pinewood Church. We're so glad that you're joining us today as we continue a conversation that we've been having for, I think, about eight weeks now in Heaven's Agenda. Now, what is Heaven's Agenda? Heaven's Agenda is what would it look like if King Jesus reigned, if he reigned in Boulder, if he reigned in our country and around the world? What would it look like to have a heavenly agenda? And I believe that the book of Philippians talks a lot about having a heavenly agenda. Agenda, And we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to actually be wrapping up Philippians chapter 2 today. And I believe that God has a word for you. This, this is an incredible passage because it talks about two of Paul's dear friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Two what may seem like ordinary people, but I believe that we're going to see from the text that they're extraordinary, that God's blessing and His favor has fallen on their life for some very specific reasons. The title of today's message is Sent to Serve. Sent to Serve. Whenever I was young, uh, I would see missionaries come into town. And if you grew up in church, maybe you experienced this as well. But a missionary would show up to your church and they would put a slide deck on a screen, and then one by one, they would talk about all of the adventures and, and all of the stories of, of how they saw people came to faith and then baptized people. And, and it was always really exciting. But I would always see these missionaries, and I would always think to myself, and don't judge me for judging others. Let's just not, let's just not judge at all. But I would always think to myself, man, those are cool stories, but I would never want to be like them. I just associated missionary with poor and they dress really bad. I don't know. Maybe that's just terrible for me to feel that way. But I'm like, I don't want to have a terrible wardrobe and no money. That sounds awful. Like, so I'll serve the Lord in any other capacity but a missionary. Lord, don't send me. That's how I used to think. I remember even praying that whenever I was committing my life to be a pastor and to preach as a teenager. I'd say, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do, but please do not call me to be a missionary. And it was the year after I had prayed that prayer to God, an opportunity came up for me to go to the mission field. And it was a mission, short-term mission trip to Mexico. I signed up, I went on this trip, and Shortly after landing in Mexico, I began to practice my Spanish, began to serve people, and it was a really, really, really special time. Every single day that I was there, I was falling more and more in love with mission work, with serving, especially in different parts of the country, and being a part of being sent. That sparked something in me. If you've ever been on a short-term mission team, you probably have felt that experience that whenever you go to leave, you don't want to leave. There's, there's this new bond that you've created. And so I was going on a mission trip every year after that. Later on, I would actually go on a more long-term trip and start to travel with my wife to spend time overseas and going towards unreached, unreached people groups. And that led to me coming on staff at a church as a missions pastor. Now, isn't it ironic? The very thing 
that I saw as a child and a teenager that I said, I do not want to do that. Lord, Lord, I'll do anything but that. Isn't it ironic that that's the exact thing that I ended up doing later on in my life? Then a little while later on, about four, four and a half years after being on staff at the church that I was at, serving as the missions pastor, traveling around the world, sending hundreds of people on short-term mission teams and sending church planners, there was a moment where my wife and I felt like God was calling us to be sent, to be available. And we were sent here to Boulder, Colorado to plant this church. And what we see in this passage in Philippians chapter 19 through 30, we're not, we're not going to read all of it right now, but we are going to talk about all of it, is we see two individuals that lived a sent life. And I want to ask you that question today. Are you living a sent life? And you may be thinking to yourself, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? I want to break it down a little bit for you. Living a sent life means that you are submitting to God, and at any moment, you're letting God know, I'm available. Wherever you call me to go, the answer is yes. If you call me to go across the street to my neighbor, I'm going to live a sent life. I will go. As Scripture says, to my Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You call me to go start a crew, I'm going to live a sent life. God, the answer is yes. You call me to plant a church. I already know some of you are thinking, I'm glad he didn't call me to that. Well, let's not go ahead and assume he hasn't yet because I've said the same thing many times before. Maybe he is calling you to be sent to start a church. And maybe, just maybe there's some of you that are watching that God is calling you to be sent to the ends of the earth, to people all around the world, who have little to no access to the good news of the gospel. And maybe he is calling you right now in your car, in your living room, at the gym. He's calling you right now and you feel it. You're like, stop talking about it. He's not. Maybe he is. And I want to talk about that today. I want to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus, two individuals that modeled well what it looks like to live a sent life. Up to this point through the book of Philippians, we see Paul talk a lot about characteristics and attributes that he is encouraging and he's challenging the church at Philippi to live by. But then right here at the end of chapter two, he, it's almost like he's saying, let me give you a for example. And let's look at Timothy and Epaphroditus. Let's start in verse 19. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. Philippians 2 verse 19. It says this. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Paul, in this one little passage, he mentions the word send four times. Twice for sending Timothy and twice for sending Epaphroditus. Paul himself is someone who is representative of someone who lived a sent life. I want to ask you this question again, and I just want you to process it for just a second. Just reflect on it. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you have said to God, wherever you send me, I will go. Wherever you send me, the answer 
is yes. And I know that can be a scary thing to pray. But I just want to encourage you as we examine this text that before we're done with this message, it's my hope and my prayer that you would let God know, God, you have a blank check on my life. Wherever you send me, I will go. I love that when he speaks of Timothy, which Timothy was like his son in the faith. He loved Timothy. And when he speaks of Timothy, he doesn't talk about attributes that we would normally talk about somebody who we want to send out. Like if we were sitting on a church planet, we'd say, oh, he's just, he's a dynamic person. He's an incredible, you know, communicator, you know. Like she's so gifted in her entrepreneurial leadership. Like we would like kind of praise all the wrong things if we're being honest. But Paul, he praises Timothy. And and what does he say? He will genuinely care about your interests. So if you're wondering, you know, could God send somebody like me? Well, then I would ask you, do you genuinely love and care for people? That seems to be the biggest priority for Paul whenever he's commending and he's honoring Timothy is that he has a genuine care for other people's interest. I think you can win in a lot of areas of your life. I think you can be good at starting things. I think you can be good at business. Maybe have a lot of money, be charismatic, whatever the case may be. I think you can win in a lot of areas of life. If you're not winning in genuinely loving and caring for people, then I think maybe, maybe you're in it for the wrong reasons. Maybe you're in it with the wrong motives. In verse 21, he says, all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. He draws a line in the sand here. Now, there's a lot of people who he's talking about that are seeking their own interest and that are seeking their own desires. But he draws a distinction even with Timothy that says, this is not Timothy. He does not seek his own interest, but others. And what I, an application that I see from this is we all have a lot of interests in our lives. We all have a lot of desires, a lot of things that can very easily fill up our schedules. But let's not get so busy with our desires or maybe our schedules or our hobbies or even our work that we neglect serving and seeking the interests of others. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go on a vacation. I just went on a vacation. I'm not saying you can't take rest. But what I am saying is that as a follower of Jesus, your life does not revolve around your self-interest, but others. Period. Nobody demonstrated this better than Jesus. In Mark 10, verse 45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to what? Be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If Jesus modeled the attitude of, I'm here to serve you, it's not about me, then shouldn't our, as Jesus followers, shouldn't our attitude be that of serving and seeking the interest of others? In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, no one is to seek his own interest or his own good, but the good of the other person. And Paul, just earlier in this same chapter, he says, everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interests of others. Now, what does it look like to the, to, for you to actually look towards the interests of others and to have a genuine concern for that? Whenever I read this, I think that it's asking questions. 
I think it's meeting people where they are. Like I mean, when I moved to Boulder, my primary point of conversation for people, I moved here to start a church and to grow a body of believers together. But I, I didn't start that with a conversation. Why? Because I wasn't seeking the interest of me. My goal, especially whenever I moved here and still today, is always to help others, to help others be the best version of help, to meet people where they are. If somebody is really passionate about something, I want to be passionate about that with them. I want to seek their interest, their benefit. If somebody's trying to build their career, I got ideas for building careers. I'm, I can start stuff. I want to speak into that. If someone is struggling, I want to help pull them up. I want to help lift them up and I want to pray for them. And all the while, I want to point them to Jesus. We don't have to make it complicated, but we do have to be intentional. Verse 22, it says, But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. You see, Paul was like a mentor to Timothy. Timothy was like his apprentice, but even further than that, he was his disciple. He poured heavily into the life of Timothy, developing him, praying for him, showing him by example. Who are you discipling? Who are you apprenticing? Who are you investing in? Paul was very intentional with Timothy, knowing he's talking right now about sending Timothy back to serve and to shepherd the people. And he trusts Timothy because he says, I've served alongside of him. Paul had a vision for the future to say, you know what? I'm probably not going to be around forever. I'm going to be traveling around starting new churches, new endeavors. But if I invest in Timothy, maybe Timothy can carry on the mission of Christ the mission of advancing the gospel in another city. He can shepherd another people. And I think this is an important conversation for us to have as far as who are you discipling and who are you investing in? Just think about that, right? maybe even write down a few names. I, I know that for many of the people that are watching, you're thinking to yourself, nobody wants to follow me. At least I think I have that feeling all of the time. Like I'm not really influencing that many people. Who would want to model what I'm doing? Or who would want to learn from me? And I want to tell you right now, with all the confidence that I know how, more people are watching you than you think. You are influencing more people than you realize. Oh, but I'm not a leader. You are a leader. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a servant leader. You're a person of influence. People watch you the way that you respond even in this city season, and you have an opportunity to point them to something or someone. For those that are watching, for those that are emulating, and for those that are below you, that you are discipling and maybe an apprentice, the question that I have for you is, what are you pointing them to? Or even a better question, I think, would be, who are you pointing them to? Our mission at Pinewood is to meet people where they are, Truly seek the interests of others, have a genuine love and concern for others, and appoint them to Jesus. I want to talk about Epaphroditus. I love Epaphroditus. Timothy is cool, but Epaphroditus is my favorite. Let's just call him Epaph for short. Can we call him Epaph? 
His name means charming and handsome. I think Epaph was a cool dude. In verse 25, it says, But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, or Epaph for short, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier as your messenger and minister to my need. Now, when the church, uh, just to give you a little bit of a backstory about Epaph, when the church was looking to bless Paul, Paul was in prison, and it's possible that they had heard that, that he needed resources and was in poverty. And this church of Philippi, they love Paul, Paul loves them. And so they said, we want to send Paul a gift. But what I love about the church of Philippi is, is that they just didn't send money. They sent a person to say, we're going to send resources, but we're also going to send you a Epaphroditus that is going to love you, support you, get in the game with you. And I love what Paul says. He says that he's my brother, my coworker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, and a minister to me. What I think of when I think of Epaph is I think that he was a partner to Paul. I think that's honestly a theme of, of this entire portion of Scripture is that idea of partnership. You see that Timothy was partnered with Paul. Paul was partnered with Timothy and Epaph. And the church of Philippi was partnered with Paul. But then, I mean, Paul's writing this letter to Philippi, so he's kind of partnering with them. And that is what the body of Christ is called to, is true, genuine, authentic, all-in partnership. Not just companionship, not just fellowship, but partnership. Saying that I am willing to put some skin in the game. I'm willing to invest here. I'm willing to sacrifice and to give of my time, my talents, my treasures, my energy, my resources, because I believe in you and I know you believe in me. Partnership is a two-way street. Partnership also doesn't shy away when things get a little bit challenging. And this is what happened here with Epaphroditus. He went through many significant struggles to even, I'm sure, try to get the resources to Paul. You know, he left everything that he had in Philippi to serve alongside of Paul in prison. If, if we're here, let's just say real time, and I come to you and I say, hey, there's a friend of mine in, well, let's just say, what's a cool town that we really love? Austin, Texas. I feel like a lot of people love Austin, Texas here in Boulder. And I say, I got a friend of mine in prison in Austin, Texas. Who, who wants to volunteer to ride a horse to Austin, Texas to sit with this person that's in prison, that's being persecuted? I, I really don't know when you're going to be coming back. And it's actually kind of a dangerous journey. Uh, I'm not 100% sure you're going to make it. But it's going to be fine. This is going to allow us to minister to him. How, who, who's signing up for that job? Where are my volunteers at? I would have to convince some of you, okay, okay, I'll pay you a little bit of a salary, you know, like you'll come with a little bit of a stipend, like I add a little bit of perks to it, and then maybe I could get a few volunteers. But this is not a job that just anybody is looking to sign up for. But what I love about Epaphroditus is that he says, I'm available. When I think of Epaphroditus, Epaph, I think of a person that says, I'm available. Send me, I'll go. Don't know when I'm coming back? That's okay. I'm here to serve. I'm here not for my own interests, but for the interests of others and to help advance the cause of Christ. Pinewood is here because of deep partnerships like that of the Church of Philippi and like people like Epaphroditus. That's how we're here. 
people got behind us and they gave of their time, they gave of their resources, lots of resources for a vision to reach a city, to share the gospel, to plant a church. And they said, now we're gonna invest. Even recently, there we, we got this amazing, generous donation from somebody who said, we just felt like God had put it on our heart to make a donation. People came. They physically showed up, both short-term and long-term, and said, I'm gonna invest in this thing. Where are my Epaphroditus's out there? Where are my people who would just say, I'm available? Because look, like I think it's awesome that people have partnered with us. And I think it's awesome that people have moved here. And honestly, I believe that many of you have been sent here to serve and to be a part of what God is doing. But even more than that, I want to be a church that is sending Epaphroditus's out that is sending Timothy's out, that is supporting the Pauls that are advancing the kingdom in difficult places all around the world. I want to be a church that says, no matter what, I'm available. Look, I'm telling you, I have zero plans of leaving Pinewood Church. Zero. Like someone asked me the other day, like, so how long are you in this thing? Like, uh, you've kind of had a good run, you know, we're about to celebrate two years, our anniversary. And I'm like, yeah, it's going well, I think. And she said, well, how much longer do you think you're going to be in it? And I said, well, I think I got maybe another 28 years uh, here at Pinewood. And then I think I may move on and try to, you know, coach some people. I don't know. You know, I'm going to be in my 60s then. still pretty young. You know, I think I got a lot more in me. And she said, oh, my 28 years. Yeah, but you know what? I'm available. I'm available. Like, I'm not going to root myself and plant myself so deep that I tell God, like, even if you try to move me, you're not moving me from Boulder. That's how I feel. But in my heart and towards God, that's not the posture I'm gonna take. I want the Lord to bless this. I want the Lord's favor to fall on this. I want his anointing to rest on this. And in order for that to be the case, then I have to live with open hands in total submission to his authority on my life. To say, God, wherever you choose to send me, I will go. And I pray that for all of our team. I don't want to see any of our team leave. None of them. I want you all to stay. That's what I want. Personally, like selfishly. But I know, I know that there are cities out there that could use your gift. I know that God is calling some of you to go. You have a genuine love for people. And it's my hope and my prayer that we send our best. I believe with all of my heart that Epaphroditus was the best. They weren't like, okay, we really need to bless Paul. Where's the B team? No, 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 no. I think they looked out and they were just like, no, no, no. Epaphroditus loves people, man. Epaphroditus is gen generous. He's a soldier, a brother in the faith. We're going to send our best. And we want to do the same at Pinewood. 29 says this, and this is why I think he's the best. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. He was all in, willing to risk his life for the sake of Christ. And Paul says to honor people like this. Our church is committed to honor. 
I love in Romans 12, it says to outdo one another in showing honor. One of our values here at Pinewood is honor is our commitment. And I believe that we can do more as a church to honor people that give their lives to serve, to seek the interests of others, and to advance the cause of Christ. Now, I think that honor comes in many different forms. Like I can imagine he was, Paul's trying to urge them, you, you better honor my, my brother of Epaph. When he comes in, I mean, I want to see a parade. But I believe that more than that, that honor comes with our words. Honor can come with our actions, with our gifts, and the way that we love and serve other people. And at Pinewood, we believe in a culture of honor. Not puffing up, but building up the body of Christ with truth over people of who God says that they are, not who they say that they are. And he says to give great honor to people like this. Although I love Epaphroditus and I think that he was the best, the reality is Epaphroditus, just like Timothy, he never really got the book deal, you know? Epaphroditus never got the record label. He never went on tour. You know, he didn't have those things that we would probably associate, or at least the world would associate, give that person honor. He was kind of ordinary. He, he went on a short-term mission trip. He served and he got really sick, almost to the point of death. And he loved genuinely, but he really wasn't just this extraordinary person. And when I read this about Epaphroditus, it gives me hope for myself. It gives me hope for our church that really I believe what God is looking for is ordinary people that are willing to open up their hands, submit to God's authority on their life and say, God, use me, send me, I'm available. Oh, you, you want me to do this? The answer is yes. You want me to go here? The answer is yes. See, I believe that God is saying, honor those people. Honor the available people. The ones that are willing to sacrifice. In closing, three quick points. Submit to God's authority on your life. Seek the interests of others. And live a sent life. Father, I pray right now that we would take the examples, the models that Paul gave in Timothy and Epaphroditus, and that we would seek the truth over our own life as to what you're calling us to do. Father, what posture are you calling us to take? And Father, as a church, just corporately, I pray that our posture would be that of available. And right now, I tell you, Father, wherever you call me to go, the answer is yes. Whoever you call me to serve, the answer is yes. Whatever you call me to give, the answer is yes. My life is a blank check. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.